Okay, are we ready? Buckle up your seatbelts. What did Sean say the other week? He goes, now unbuckle them. No, don't unbuckle them. Do you know that May belts are targeting seatbelt wearers? Did you know that? No, no, Fed Income it is. It's seatbelt month. I'll tell you how I know it's Fed Income. No, 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 no. I wear a seatbelt. I do every time. So we were going to Sejuna, I think it was last retreat. And I'm sitting in the back seat because the guest speaker was in the front seat with Rob, which is what you do. And... We get into Sejuna and we get in front of the hotel that we're sleeping at for the night and the police pull us over. Sirens going and I'm thinking, Rob goes, I know I wasn't special. I'm glad I'm, um, because I don't want to be responsible for no fine. Same wage packet, you know, but I was kind of like, I feel it's not me, I've had enough. Um, so the police pull us over and said to Rob, oh, is there any reason why the person in the back seat wasn't wearing their seatbelt properly? So um, asked for Rob's licence and my licence. We're both getting a fine, $401 each. Because my seatbelt was under my arm going across and not over my shoulder. Women, don't do it. So the men, the um, never, never. This isn't in my notes. This is all free for you because I'm warning you. I'm wanting you to be wise in the month of May and every month about wearing your seatbelt. He goes, I never give warnings. What are you here for? Said what we're here for, really responsible. We're pastors of a church and we've come here to do this thing. And now you're out the front with your lights flashing for everyone to see that we're getting a fine. So, um, and I'm getting his position. I'm going, you've got to be joking. I'm kind of thinking, my heart, I'm so sorry, Rob. Wish I ever had over my shoulder and not under my arm. And um, he went over to the car filling out all the details, comes back with the blue piece of paper saying, I've given you a formal written warning. There's no money required. So, the moral of the story, wear your seatbelt over your shoulder. On that note, will lead me into my message, which is stop, listen, and I can't say go. I've got to say grow because this had to be grow. So... I don't know, but if TV, I actually quite like watching those home shows. So it was a Friday night and I'm watching one of these home shows on TV and they make fixing all sorts of problems so easy. Honestly, women, if you just watch those home shows, you think you can give your husband a big list of jobs to do on a Saturday and he should get them done right? Wrong. So... This man had this segment and in five minutes, where's Paul O'Brien? I want to see how clever you are. In five minutes, he had fixed this crack in a wall, like partied it. This cornice was hanging down that he had re-glued up. He needed to attach some cornice on a corner wall, like so half was to brick, so you had to have a dip and lock. And then he all had it painted in five minutes. He's good, no waiting for the putty to dry or the corners glue. It was just done. Five minutes. Then, can't be, it can't be done. Then, in the next slot, he was out there, he was in... Am I talking too quick? I've got a lot to say this morning. He was in front of this wooden window that needed some attention. I will get into my message. Um, 
this window needed attention, so the window needed to be repartied in section, sanded down, repainted. That was Ordale. And you know what? His work looked pretty good too. Well, it looked good from my TV set. But the reality of life is you can't fix all problems in a five-minute segment. And the reality also is on a lot of those makeover shows, when the camera stops rolling, they have a swing and do all the they're looking like, oh, gee, aren't we good? So what they do is they aren't giving us, the viewers, an accurate account of what is actually happening. That's why with today's message, I want to bring you some authentic ways of living a real, raw and relevant life. That's why we need to look at those points that I said. Stop, look, listen and that's all good. Am I on? Cool. All right. When I think about having a life with making wise choices and living a disciplined life, a few scriptures automatically. The first scripture I'm going to look at has the word discipline in it. Now, I've preached a message before that discipline is not a bad word. It's not. It's not just a big smack. Discipline is training that produces a result. We know that an athlete goes into strict training because he's producing a result. It's not a bad, but let me tell you, it's not an enjoyable word either. I don't know if you've ever seen me at the gym, but when I come out and I'm all red and sweaty, it's not been, ah, oh yeah, endorphins and all that. I'm not saying I absolutely love it, but it's got to be training that produces a result. Okay, so let's look at our first scripture. Now, can I tell you, I'm going to throw, what's wrong here? Oh, didn't hold my tongue right. I'm, I'm going to throw a heap of scripture at you because as I say every time, you can hear words from me and that's what it is. But if we see what the word of God says and apply that to our life, so if I'm throwing out all these scriptures, I pray that you're going to hang on to one, at least get one of them this morning. Can you aim to do that? Catch one of the things I'm throwing. 11 says, enjoy happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Another scripture that I don't have off on the screen is in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. And it says, if you don't work, you won't eat. There's discipline right there. It means you've got to get up every day and go to work. That's discipline. That's living a disciplined life. Of course, that is this one. Am I doing it or are you? Don't show them my pictures yet. Is it not working? You're doing it. Thanks. If you can fix it up. I didn't give you a copy, so I need to work it. Um, so this one here is found in the message. It says, it's the law of sowing and reaping. And it's a law that will continue till the day when Jesus comes back. So don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life 
is we, one has to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. Now, I tell you what, that's what I'm aiming for this morning, for real eternal life. Talk back, talk back, yeah, right on. You get so much more out of me. I want to be careful with the kind of seeds that I'm planting, even with the words that I speak. I have lots of reminders in my family to remind me, which is great. We probably all need reminders in our family to tell us, don't speak that over me. I'm not accepting those words. It's good. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Next one, Mr. Um, it says in Proverbs 18.21, I just from the tongue can breath to talk will reap the consequences working we need to make wise choices with how we live our life and it usually comes with hard work don't they make seamless everything's working here you've got nothing to worry about we love this stuff okay anyone here who is 16 or nearly about to turn 16 got a top or about up for you about making wise choices. Now, if you're going to go stand as a much in my mind, I've been through it three times, one to go, thank you, Jesus. Um, <clears throat> a wise choice is if you're turning 16 is to study for your Ls. You can rock up to services SA, go and sit your test with no study, but the consequence of that could be that you lose a little bit of money. So to make a good investment before you go. Because when it comes to driving, there's a lot of things we need to learn that you think, oh, that's easy, anybody could do that. But you don't realise we're taught a lot of stuff. So let's just have a bit of fun, bit of interaction. Let's go to the first one. Who can tell me what this means? So if you're driving along and you flick up a road, the guy next to you might get a cracked windscreen. Yeah, good. Louder next time. What about this one? Earl plate drivers, take note. It means if it's a bit wet, it's going to be a little bit slippery. You're good. What about this one? Um, we don't. Usually in Port Lincoln, we don't see a lot of that one, but I just want to throw that in for the farmer friends that we have here. This is oh, that most of these signs had no writing on them. The last one did. It says stock crossing. But those signs, other ones, had no writing. Yet we all knew what they meant. Why? Because we've been taught Somewhere we knew that that meant it's a curvy road. Somewhere we knew when we saw 110, and I don't want a kilometre less either. <clears throat> so when key, that becomes very important, and that is our first word, and that is to, if you've ever taught someone to drive, you need them to know what this word means. I'm serious. I'm being serious, straight face. It means to cease movement. 
The key we want to pick up here is that is exactly what we need to do when we see. It's also one of the first things we teach our children, especially when they're starting to walk and walk away from us. If they're heading to a road and you say, stop, guess what you want them to do? And you want them to do it, but why? For their safety. We want them to be safe. We don't want a car to come and clobber them. And it's the same stop. It says to cease movement. It means to have a chest going on to safely move ahead. You know, stopping is also considerate and helpful when you're driving in convoy. You need to stop on occasions to let others, because wither. And you know what? We're here and really lag stop. You go, come on. Doesn't, stopping doesn't mean that you stay in this motionless state. Right, if you stop them, well then you. The next verse, I love the book of Proverbs. If any of you know me, a little bit, so you're going to find a few of them. Because if we read the book of Proverbs, it gives us all the wisdom we're ever going to need to live by. Up for six precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Does that sound like someone who needs look? Just go ploughing right, right through. You'll get a fine. You'll get a fine. Just stop and cease movement. You know... I'll just tell you what the word simpleton means because I don't usually use that word in my vocabulary. I might now because you'll all understand what it means. It means a person who is deficient in judgment or they're deficient in good sense or intelligent. So that's what that word means. So it means someone who is not thinking right or doing the right thing will just go blindly on. You know, another, so it's dangerous to not stop. In the Bible, there's a word, and we don't see this word all the time, but it's the word sealer. And it's quite often actually means to pause and ponder. So we talk about stop, stopping us from harm, but some do and ponder of him. Because that's quite often when it comes. It's talking about a psalm of praise, praising Jesus, and then you'll see that word sealer, which means pause and ponder on that. Pause and ponder on the, on the goodness of God. Do you know, on Friday night we were talking and we keep going in a busy, busy life. You know, we, we're all really busy. You know, we have all this modern technology, but it just seems like more and more jobs just get heaped on our plates. And a not negotiable for me is to have a quiet time. I'd be pretty ugly if I'm not having a quiet time. I need Jesus in me every day. I need his help. When I, when I read those scriptures, like when I even read a prudent person foresees dangers, if you just keep going, 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 you don't even have stop to, you don't even have time to, I'm not going to, Martin Luther wrote this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Think about that. He's got so much to do that if he doesn't, he'll be in trouble. The first three hours in prayer. Next one says, Be still and know that I am God. We suffer, but why? Put the next one on. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honoured 
in every nation. I will be honoured throughout the world. He's saying he knows what's going on. He knows who wins the victory. He knows what the outcome is going to be. And guess what he's telling us? He's saying, I am God. Be still and know that I am in control. What is going on in your life doesn't take me by surprise. Come to me. Come to me. Tell me about it. Become a wise person. If you've made decisions that have caused you to have, like you feel like you're suffering the consequence now, it's not too late. Stop. Have a look at what's going on. That'll lead me to my next thing of looking and take precautions. Now, the word look. I should have put some little eyes in that. Ding, ding. Because that's what we're using. Looking means to turn one's eyes towards something or in the same direction to see. Now, turn to your neighbour on one side and say, oh, you know when you do that, there's always someone there. Find someone to look at and they're looking at you and tell them they're looking mighty fine. <laughs> By looking... If we just turn our eyes to see something, situation sometimes is all that's needed. Because you can see if your child is going to do something and by seeing, you can, that's all that's needed to actually just pick someone up, take them away from the stove or do something. Sometimes looking, you don't even have to say anything, you can just look and accident and it's be all right. So can you show the next slide? By looking, by us, it's actually telling us probably wise to slow down just by us looking slow down so that we're not flicking rocks up everywhere and we're going to do damage you understand just looking to action that'll save us next one what am I going to nod my head Proverbs sixteen twenty five says there is a way that appears to be right but in the end it leads to death so something might Appear, appear to be right, you're going down the wrong way. This is where we need our spiritual eyes open. And some questions are something clouding our view. God created us with all of our senses and looking is, if you can, you can end up in all kinds of trouble. Have you ever been driving when it's so foggy that you can hardly see in front of you. Sometimes happens out where we live, the clouds come down really low. If you're driving in that for too long, it becomes very, very tiring. And yeah, that's their life at the moment. They just feel like everything seems so foggy. They don't see a clear direct. Tired. I encourage you, ask one of the leaders to pray for you. Even if we don't have a prayer time, say, you know what, Pauline, can you just pray for me? Because I actually feel like that. Because, you know, God wants us to be able to see clearly. My hairdresser did the True Grit Challenge last weekend. And she said there was one course, um, I've never done it. She told me it's on the River Murray somewhere. So they're running through mud and I don't really know why people get enjoyment from being so dirty and muddy, but... Whatever turns you on, I guess. Um, so she said, 
Her eyes were so muddy and cloudy through one part of running through this muddy water that she just couldn't see anymore. And so she's kind of waiting for a friend to come along. She said, every single part of my clothes was so full of mud and dirt, I did not even have a clean speck on my T-shirt to wipe her eye along. A T-shirt just so that she could wipe her eye clearly. So do you understand why sometimes spiritually we need to have that removed? When I was going through this, because is everything really as it seems? What are we looking through? Sometimes we are looking through eyes of hurt and pain when really we should be looking through eyes of joy and gladness. So what happens if all we're seeing is through the eyes of hurt and pain? You know what you need to do? You need to ask God to help you forgive them because the only person it's robbing is you. It's write this down. I just felt like this was dropped into my heart. A change in your heart can cause a change. I wrote that for gift. It changes our heart, which then changes our vision. It says in Matthew 6.22, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is a whole with light. The next one says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For the heart speaks. So you can just be talking to someone and know that their heart isn't very healthy or maybe what they're looking at is a bit cloudy. I love this one. It says, taste and see. That the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge tough. Even when it's not tough. We are not when it's know that. Why is it that sometimes we go through a hard time, then we start praying? No, pray always. Take refuge in me. I will protect you. I'm here waiting when it's good and when it's not. So can you see know that I am God because he knows who come and take refuge in him. When I saw those words, taste and see, taste. Have you ever heard that saying, that left a sour taste in my mouth? With God, it must be so delicious. I love food. I love food. I love yummy tasting things. I didn't have this in my notes, but the other week... I was trying to make a different recipe. Like, my kids like stews and, and it's good to use that kind of meat. Use No. Um, so I cooked this stew and I had half in my normal stew mixture. And I thought, let me try something different. So I put a bit of coconut cream in and I did put a bit of stock cube in. I didn't know what else to add. I'm not a Thai cooker, really. And I'm going, so maybe I'll add a bit of lime juice and a bit of fish sauce. Boom. I don't say that very interesting, but flavour and I'm going. Don't be so kind. It was not eatable. No one ate it. The dogs ate it though, so they were happy. So now why did I say that? Taste and see. He's not leaving no yucky taste in our mouth. He is delightful. He is beautiful and he is delicious. 
That's just my little thing when I thought, taste and see. I just thought, no yucky aftertaste with him. No mincy. So how do people feel when they see us? Do they see someone who's carrying the joy and is able to do those things based on feelings? Because he's saying, take refuge in me because I'm a good God. We are called Christians because we are to be like Christ. I read a saying this week that said, Jesus isn't looking for you to be like other Christians. He's looking for you to be like him. He's a good, good God because that's who he is. Okay, the next one is listen. Don't you like it when... Giving someone, I don't know if, um, I don't usually listen to the, lo- the radio, but I'm sure they're still on, secret sounds. You know when it sounds like something? It is still on, Joe. So there's this secret sound and you hear it and you go, I know what that is. So I ring up, hopefully I win the competition. So there's no with listening with God. He's not giving you no secret sound. I just want you to know, he's going to be telling us loud and clear He's not just giving us this much of the picture and goes, okay, now you work out the rest. Go well, live long. He's not, he's not like that with our listening. Or I'm just talking about listening. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone who's hard of hearing? We're not talking about selective hearing. We're talking about someone who's hard of hearing. After off a couple of times, I'm feeling annoyed and I can't really be bothered talking anymore. But I'm just letting you know that our Heavenly Father does not have that characteristic. He will tell us the same thing over and over again to get it. He wants us walking in the truth of who he is. One thing, counselling the people, is when you're in a to listen when they are talking. Don't be preparing a reply speech. I saw that nudge, Paris. I I like it. like it. So we need to be listening when they are talking, not working out what our reply is going to be because I can work out really good ones if he keeps talking long enough. We need to be listening intently to what is being spoken. Now, it works wonders in your relationship if you would just listen. And Rob said to me once, I'm talking to him, and he goes, oh, so you feel like this? I went, yes. And, and you feel like that? I went, yes. And I'm thinking, and he goes, all I did was repeated what you said to me. <laughs> but you know what? I knew he was listening. He was listening. Even though he just repeated it, and I'm thinking he's got it. He, he did get it because he was listening. He wasn't working out some reply speech in his head. He was listening intently. And I'm telling you, that is the kind of relationship God desires with us. So when someone is speaking or when you're reading the word of God, do you know what? That is God talking to you. And he'll keep telling you over and over and over because he wants you to get it. Develop the art of listening. Remember, we have two ears and one mouth. So that means we better do double the listening. Some great advice. And James, you're a good man too. James 1.19 says, 
You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Shall I read that one again? It's a good one. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to getting angry. Just ex- but don't just listen to God's word. You must do are only fooling yourself. Do you like it? So we've got a bit to do. We've got to listen. One is grow. Growing means to undergo thing in size and changing physically. When we talk about natural development, we're talking in a living person. We're all living and breathing. No monitors going off because someone's gone to sleep. No. In the word for today, yesterday, that a friend so brilliantly pointed out last night, she sent me a phone and goes, did you read this? It said, unless you grow, you can't go. The same. Any more information, God's love keep giving out. So we need to grow so that we can go and change someone else's life. It's a great theme, growing, because we're not to stay immature. If something is not growing, it's not healthy. Growth can also be linked to maturity. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I put away. On Friday night, question life and when you're busy and how do you grow? That was the question. How do you grow? And I said, growing for me or growing for my faith is becoming a mature believer. And to be mature means we need to stop throwing tantrums. Do you know that adults throw tantrums? Do you know teenagers throw tantrums? Because we know little kids throw tantrums and that's when they start and we teach them that, no, you don't get your desired request because we don't respond like that. But if they're not taught when they're two and they're not taught when they're six, I tell you what, you've got a big problem when they're 16. And then we see, we, Pastor Robin and myself, deal with a lot of tantrums now as adults. And they're big enough to walk out and think it's all your fault. But all they're doing is throwing a tantrum. So to grow in my maturity and to grow in faith means I stop throwing tantrums. So when things get too hard, when things don't go the way I expect them to, when someone doesn't appreciate me like I want them to, I better stop saying I'm quitting. Actually, had enough. This family doesn't appreciate me. Come on, grow up, Pauline. No, seriously, grow up, Pauline. I've been convicted. I better grow. I better learn to then pray. Don't put up with people abusing you, but just go, you know what? Might not learn now, but they'll learn later on. Consequences, we read what we sow later on. And it might not be so pretty. So if we don't what like the people in Corinth that Paul was talking to in Corinthians. Now, when Paul was talking to these people in Corinthians, problems and what he said to the people in Corinth. Dear brother, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. They're Christians. He's talking to Christians, but he couldn't talk to people as if you belong to the world. Do you have a friend who's in the world and they don't understand Christian principles? You can't talk to them about what you reap is what you'll sow. You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I say it, but they don't really understand because they're not 
connected to this faith thing that we have in Jesus. To you, to the world, as though you were infants in Christ, I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. That's not a compliment. But he was speaking the truth in love because it's what they needed to grow in maturity. To grow in maturity, there is no shortcuts. There is no pill that I can give you today and tomorrow morning you're going to go, da-da, spiritually mature now. It doesn't happen. It takes time, effort and action. It won't come automatically. When we read God's Word, we let it change us. This is what will happen. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, makes the together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can everyone take that scripture home? I don't want to be an immature child. I don't want to be tossed about by what everyone says because I can't discern where it fits together. Can I tell you the thinking of that? The body was working together yesterday. They didn't have to tell Pastor Rob and myself, well, we're putting the lights up. You better come and supervise. We didn't even need to be here. We didn't even know that they were trimming the trees because it wasn't something we had to do. It was something that the body of Christ was getting together. I can do that. That's my part and I'm happy to do it. Ephesians. That's a beautiful picture to me. Besides this growing one, that Ephesians 4 is a beautiful picture of the church. And I'm so glad. When I see that, I see strength. I see wholeness. I see that everybody is called and everybody has a part to play. For some this morning, it's all about getting planted. If you are seed, it's time to get out of your little silver foil packet and get out of the paper bag, whatever you're contained in, and get yourself planted into some good soil. Not contaminated, good, healthy, organic soil. You know... I was just thinking about healthy, organic soil. And do you know what goes into that? Things that we feel are scraps. We put our scrap, blood and guts from other things. All goes at rich and full of good things. We can, what was showing me is, we think we don't have much to offer. We think some of the things that have happened in our life have made us less than. Well, I'm telling you as Katie, he can, even if it came from Joyce Meyer, Katie, you said it. I believe it and that settles it. No, it, it means he can use those things that are a mess. He can use those things that we feel were useless or leftover or just the waste products and turn it into something powerful. Closing. Now, Pastor Rob said this in the prayer meeting. I think he was reading my notes when I wasn't watching. This is what I put at the end. It says, remember, it's a daily thing. We are not on a sprint. The journey is a lifetime but we must be growing. 3.18 says, last one. It says, you and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's what I want us to leave us to. He's saying we must grow. We must grow in grace and knowledge. How do we know Him? By spending time with Him, by reading His brain. He's in prayer today. Loving Father, we just thank You. Words that have gone out today will touch the hearts of people that are needing to hear those words. I just pray that those scriptures will resonate in the heart of the people that are listening and they'll be able to apply them to their lives, Lord. We want to grow. We want to grow in the sprint. I thank you that you lovingly lead us at times when we just feel broken and weary and worn out. I just thank you that you want to take the fog away from people who just feel like they've been living in a fog. We just say that that fog be cleared. Enough is enough, no more. I thank you that you lovingly and patiently just want to remind us every day until we get it. Until we get it, Lord.